Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is Lisa Rinna, I mean James Evans, and joining me is my co-host, and you bet I'm going to talk about her, it's Ellie Nunn. Hi, James, how are you? How are you? Uh, how are you? St- how are you, James? Oh, God, I've broken my microphone, probably. How are you? I'm okay. I'm a bit phlegmy today, I have to say. I'm feeling a bit under the weather. Well, that will have cleared it out. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hacked that up. And I think I might have to take a leaf out of your book and uh, make myself a cup of tea after this, because I see you're, you're sipping one of your trademark Rouboche teas. I should also point out that that is the reason why we're running a bit late today, because I actually had to sit here for an extra four minutes while Ellie microwaved her tea for some reason. Um, so not very happy about that. Not that I'm keeping what? score. Yes. Sorry, uh, yeah. sorry. I think I got a message from you 45 well, minutes ago, James, saying that we were well, going to be 15 be case, minutes late. But I, I warned you, I gave you fair warning. That was half an hour no, ago. No, no, sorry. This, this, I, sorry, on, I'm not going to make you, here, no, I'm not going to let you make me look like I'm lying. Ellie, no, I know Ellie. what you're trying to do here and you're going to make me look like I'm lying. Right, uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris, uh, bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> Ellie, just be honest. Just be open and honest. I feel like you're not being honest. I'm not doing this. You're running away. Oh, my oh. God. Rinna. Whoa. That was a very good Rinna, and I'm really sad that no one's getting to see you. I did like a full did. body ripple, like one of those flailing inflatable men outside car washes. And yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 it's, sometimes it's not enough to just verbalize Rinna. She's like very dynamic, and it's all like going in different directions. So I feel like that's the best yeah. visual. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I, so Rena, 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 Rena. God, I, I need to take my top off. I'm getting really hot and bothered already. <laughs> Lisa Rena, where do where do we begin? Uh, the one thing that I really appreciate about Rena, because there is a lot to appreciate about Rena, is that she's a good example that I use for people. One of my selling points of this show is that it's uh, it's a celebration of the the tenacity of the female spirit, particularly women of a certain age. And mm. for all the talk of like whether it's bad representation of women, I think there's still something to be said for the fact that The Real Housewives is one of the few shows on television where you can still find women over 50 getting drunk, being shameless and owning their sexuality. Totally. And I think Rinna embodies that all quite nicely. Mm. I really appreciate in Lisa Rinna that she is a hustler, self-described one at that and that she's always kept her career moving forward whatever the cost and she's savvy and I think she's aware of the the like the limitations of her career as an actress of as of a certain age however unfair that might be and I think perhaps at a time where acting roles are sort of drying up for her she's really lent into the opportunity that Real Housewives has given her and I admire her greatly for that and she's also really treated Housewives as like her latest role and her latest way of being relevant. And she's done it very, very well. It's just that that's kind of at odds with her insistence on authenticity and honesty when it's very much like a performed role on the show. And that's part exactly. of the yeah. like, hypocrisy of Rena that's very annoying. It's the fact that she leans on those terms like openness and honesty and authenticity. And I think what's become very clear to me over the last few years, especially the, the not the most recent season, the season with Denise, is that those big weighty terms are actually just quite hollow and they're quite slippery that they sort of mani- manipulate to kind of mean whatever well, they want it to mean. Exactly. It's a very convenient catch-all term that they can use to bend. Exactly, to and it's funny that you just said manipulate because I feel like Rinners obviously was really leading the charge against Lisa Vanderpump. And going back and watching a lot of Rinners stuff, it really is extraordinary how much once she latched on to her style in the show, which is this insistence on honesty, she very much worked out how to play the show and how to mm-hmm. create drama and like give Andy Cohen what's 
mm-hmm. sort of what they need and the character that they want. And it is no different to what they're accusing Lisa Vanderpump in a way of doing, which is oh my just God, yeah. producing drama. Lisa, for me, it feels like she's a bit of a sort of black swan type person where there's like real Lisa Rinna and then there's the actress Lisa Rinna mm. and like the actress Lisa Rinna just appears in the mirror in her bathroom and talks to her <laughs> and like gives her prompts on the show and then over the t- over the years the two have become very blurred and it's like very hard to pass what's real and what's exactly. not in her mind and any second now she's gonna do like a death-defying leap off of a kind of 40-foot platform and be like I did it I was beautiful <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for a remake with Lisa Rinna. Let's do it. How good would that be? I'm going to contact Darren Aronofsky. Let's make it, yeah. That, I, I would pay good money. Cause, I mean, it'd just be the two of us in the audience probably, but money well spent. Absolutely. Harry Hamlin could take on the Vincent, Vincent Cassell, Cassell part. It's going to be stunning. Her mum can play the mum. It'd be gorgeous. Oh, Lois, yeah. Lois could play... The, Barbara like... Hershey. Mila Kunis would be Denise. Mm, for sure. I think the whole of season 11 needs like a black swan do-over. And then we just need to get Kim Richards in there somewhere. Oh, Kim Richards could be Winona Ryder in the hospital. Yes. Oh like, my God, perfect. He's gonna do the same to you. <laughs> swan pig. Ellie, I think this really has legs. <laughs> I think we really have something here. But yeah, I think that's so true that there's a real like a uh, evolution of Lisa Renner over the show and that dark side sort of takes over more and more. But what's frustrating is that it also ironically loses its authenticity that she becomes more and more of a Ramona, which is to just apologise endlessly. Mm-hmm. And that absolves her and constantly atone, where in the first few instances, it it feels like it's a really admirable quality in her that he, she genuinely has the self-awareness to recognise bad behaviour and be like, wow, I think that was a shitty thing I did. And as it goes mm-hmm. on, it becomes too much of a pattern and too many low blows to... It's what we were saying last week about like the insistence on people moving on and forgiving her at a subhuman speed yeah. in order for the show to keep moving. Did you see The Haunting of Bly Manor last year? I did not. I can't watch scary things. Oh, okay. I, I won't get too much into the comparison, but it's basically like these ghosts just kind of like repeat the same action each night and walk the same path. And over the years, because they're unfulfilled, their faces start to fade away. And I feel like there's a bit of that with Rinna where we had her actions maybe with Kim are probably the most justifiable. And then each season, she's really repeating Mm. the same path, walking the same path again and again and again, doing the same actions, except with each time it's slightly less justified and more ham-fisted and Mm. more arbitrary. So actually it resembles nothing like what it was originally. And I think that's the problem with casting... Lisa on the show is that I would say at first I think it was very exciting when she joined as this established actor from the world of soap operas she really came to the table already very fully formed and she's very telegenic and with a already with an established sense of heightened drama which I think served her very well and I think it gave us a lot of great moments a lot of camp dramatic moments and the problem is when someone's already very fully formed already how do they evolve from that so I feel like there's a bit of a stagnation there totally and like you're saying about the ghosts fading their faces it's like Lisa's just like acquired a wardrobe full of wigs and lost any sense of like that fully formed character that was underneath it's like it had nowhere to go so she's just like playing Mm -hmm. this strange pastiche of herself and yeah has just like morphed into caricature yeah completely and I think there's something to be said for the first of all can we please I don't know who I need to talk to to get the message across to Lisa, but naming your wigs, can we stop trying to make that a thing? Can we stop trying to make Lois a thing and dance? It's not a thing. Stop trying to make it happen. It's very much like a fetch moment and I'm not here for it. The other thing, I think there's something... Lisa speaks to a kind of a granddad. I'm not going to say problem on Beverly Hills these days, but I think there's something to be said for the fact that everything's sort of come full circle by casting a soap opera actress on a reality show inspired by soap operas. It's kind of become a little bit too self-referential and a bit Mm. of a pastiche. And it seems to belie a bit of an identity crisis on the show about what it wants to be and what it is. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I just keep doing a circle with my fingers. (laughs) 
I'm mesmerized. I, I just feel like we've all been bogged down. I think a combination of her and Erica, which we'll probably get into on an Erica episode. It's really lost what it was. It seemed like it was like it gave the show a real shot in the arm and changed the direction, which it probably did, but I think it's changed it into a direction that is probably more style over substance. I definitely feel that it's no coincidence that it was like after they joined the show that the fashion and plastic surgery and Botox did like a real dial up to 11 in a way that the Mm -hmm. show has become a catwalk. And it's the same with the wigs and the, it's really morphed into something, you know, when we look back and think of all of the like oversized statement necklaces and cowl necks of like the first few seasons. And I know, I I know that was a long time ago, but they still cared about what outfits they had for events and things like that. But this now, this insistence that every single episode they're like coming over for tea and Lisa Rinna's rocking up in like a fluorescent turquoise cat suit and a bobbed wig or whatever. He's just mm-hmm. really lost any sense of like the real in Real Housewives, which again is why it's so yeah. odd that like her obsession is with, I don't think you're being real on yeah. the show. The makeup and the hair and the wigs and everything doesn't help Rinna because I do think Rinna's quite mental. I think for someone who was already quite famous when she joined the show... She is quite a beater. She's a bit of a lackey. And I think that she's shockingly desperate. I mean, she said herself that she's a people pleaser, but I don't think it's just in social interactions. I think that sycophancy sort of bleeds into her role on the show. And she carries herself often with this like manic desperation that is quite unnerving. And part of me genuinely believes that she would sort of sell her daughters down the river if it made for compelling television and kept her on the show. And I think because initially she presented herself pre-Erica just in her dress, as like a bit of a kooky, crazy mum that you go over to when you go to your friend's house. She, and she's like wandering around in her QVC feather dusters. Yeah. In her feather dusters. <laughs> in her QVC dusters. <laughs> she's just lying around on the floor, swiffering, just rolling around all over the place. She's like, oh, like, hey, I'm kids, just... <laughs> don't mind me. Like... I really see Renner as the, like, singing Feather Duster in Beauty and the Beast. That's like, Ooh. Oh, c- completely. <laughs> okay, okay, we need to be her manager. Yeah. We've got a few roles here. We like, know how to her. make her relevant. At that point, she seemed kind of harmless. That whole thing at the reunion in her first season where Kim reveals that she, like, sent her these texts being like, I will fuck you up. <laughs> it's like... We kind of like forgave her for that because she had her mania seemed kind of suburban, but I think mm. really it's quite insidious and it's come more and more to the surface with, e- with each passing season as she begins to dress more and more like a comic book villain to the point where like in this season's reunion, she sat there with a long fucking ponytail that she's named and she's dressed in this purple scaly number and as she slithers over to Garcelle, she honest to God looks like a lizard person. Yeah, she looks like the um, character in Monsters, Inc. Yes, she the- does. What's it, Randall? <laughs> Randall. <laughs> Randall. I don't know, maybe I'm looking into it too much, but I do think Rinna is a kind of remarkably amoral person. She does seem to just chuck pretty much anyone under the bus. No, I get, I, I know what you mean, that she actually came into the show surprisingly low status. Right. And she seems a little drunk on power. And it feels like especially the Denise season was a real moment of her being like, whoa, I have lots of power if I do this. And... Interesting. I think it's definitely, she now sees herself as one of the high status members of the group. Well, I took it as she sees herself as a high status member in the group, but much like we talked about Dee Dee, say, being the girl who stands behind the bully, or Camille mm. at game night being the girl who stands behind the bully. Rinna is the girl who stands in front of the bully, but she's like the muscle that beats up the nerdy kid on the bully's behalf. It's that need to kind of curry favor mm. with the whoever's wielding power at any given time. And that she seems to sort of take her cues from the majority and picks on the vulnerable outlier because she's a bit of a coward. And I think she has no real setting other than attack dog or like, I regret it. I regret what I did and I'm going to do better. First, you know, it's Kim and Brandy. Then it's Dorit. Then it was Vanderpump. Then it was Denise, Garcelle. I mean, who's it going to be next time? But you're so right though, that like she began pretty justified. Like I was very much on Rinna's side through the Kim Richards period. Uh, yeah. I said that like it was like the Jurassic era. Um, and <laughs> it was the golden era. Uh, you're so right that that reunion where they brought up those texts was quite like a shock. And we did forgive her for it, but it was like, 
it was quite unexpected. <laughs> right. No, I remember being like, oh, God. I mean, yeah, it's understandable. And you know how, like, I they're mean, always mean so... Like that. They're, like, leaping off the sofa to be like, I have the Texas from things like that. And yeah. <laughs> it's normally it's something so weak. Even, like, this time where she's like, I have your phone records. And it's, like, with Lisa Vanderpump when that just sidebar that was really interesting that she was saying you called me to lisa and lisa says i've rarely called you at home and lisa rinner is so excited to be like i have your phone records and then she's like 10 times 10 times you called me and Mm -hmm. then she's being like and you just said you never call me you said you never call me and that was a lie or whatever and it's like she didn't say she never called you she said she rarely called you and i would argue 10 phone calls across her entire friendship is rarely and it was a perfect example where like just by being loud doesn't make you right and like they just they love to like wave around their bits of like crappy paper that they've brought in their purses under pillows Mm. but that was an example where when kim said that it was like oh you really do have a bit of a smoking gun there (laughs) right yeah (laughs) i think that it's not just that she's loud she's loud in terms of her volume but also loud in a sort of garish way totally that with with Vanderpump is a perfect example of not appreciating a nuance and everything is declarative. Everything is like a walking gif. Well, exactly. So it's like Lisa couldn't argue that because she she couldn't compete with like the over the topness of Rinna's. Right. Like Rinna standing up, holding the paper over her head, being like, it, it, it it's very gifable. It's exactly what you're yeah. saying. And it, it's interesting to then when, do you remember when Yolanda walks off and she's crying because... Rinna yeah. says that there goes our fucking storyline thing. Rinna doesn't really know what to do because suddenly she's seeing someone who's actually crying about something that's very real to her. And she's just sat there just going like, I said it, I own it, I said it, I own it, I said it, and I own it, you know? And it's just like, she just doesn't know what to do. She's like one of those like talking dolls. It's like pulling her own string. Yeah. And I think that bleeds into Rinna and her sort of sense of humor. And there's one line that she said once in a confessional where she's like, I'm just a big asshole with iconic hair and big lips. <laughs> and it's kind of said with the the air of, this is going to be a great gif, which it has become, I'm sure. And it's been turned into mm-hmm. many a meme. But the use of the word iconic really irks me and sums up a lot about Lisa Rinna. Because first of all, the word iconic gets bandied about a lot these days, especially on this podcast. M- mainly like, on this podcast. To- yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> completely. Mainly by But me. it seems... I think it seems somewhat paradoxical to describe yourself as iconic. It's the kind of moniker mm. that you leave to other people to give to you. You don't mm-hmm. use it on yourself. Like if if the Virgin Mary was like, I just think I'm iconic. It would have the same energy as like Camille in the um, jacuzzi being like, I just have a Jesus complex. Totally. And that's Rinner all over, like self-proclaimed iconic to make yourself iconic. Right. It's kind of, she's really perpetuating her own mm-hmm. myth here Mm -hmm. and there's very much a sense of lisa's in on the joke which is fine but she does it in a way that sort of undercuts her own humor because rinna is inherently ridiculous and and she is funny but it's dulled slightly when it cuts to her if she's doing something funny and then it cuts to a confessional of her being like oh my god i'm so wacky like i can't believe (laughs) i just did that i'm so crazy like ramona's funny and completely not in on the joke exactly someone like sonia say is ridiculous and more clued in and then Rinna is fully in on the joke and it's great, but she can't even deliver her own joke because she's constantly corpsing and breaking character and like winking at the audience. That's exactly it. She's like, I'm terrible for that. Like she's the person who's like trying to make people corpse on stage and ends up getting the giggles at their own improv. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I do that so much. <laughs> Me and Rinna, peas in a pod. Yeah. But I agree with you that she she's too in on her own joke and it is what separates her from someone like Kathy Hilton or... Well, I mean, Kathy is also weird. I know people right. love her, but she's yeah. weird. But watching Lisa Rinna running around her house doing like a fire drill with Harry Hamlin isn't funny in the same way as Kathy Hilton or someone because you know that Lisa Rinna's like loving it and loving yeah. that right. they're capturing this and exactly like you're saying, that thing of being like, oh, I don't know why he's with me. Yeah. And it's all, oh, it's like, it's exhausting. 
Rin is exhausting. It's exhausting and I think that she's exhausted herself because she increasingly does just seem like she's a little bit on autopilot. I mean, like, if I had a pound for every dinner party these days where Rin is like, hey, let's play a game. Let's all go around the table and just say what's bugging us. They're all obsessed on Beverly Hills. And it's interesting. I think that it's happening on all of the shows more. But specifically with Beverly Hills, there's a real sense that until the Erica thing happened, that they were a bit like, we don't know how to, like, make drama anymore because we got rid of all the people that made the drama (laughs) like right this is what happens if you get rid of like vanderpump and denise and have the like you were saying about the midsummer like all of us just get on and it's great and we're just a really happy group it's like good luck with that so yeah now they have to keep shoehorning in at these dinners this thing of let's all go around and say something we hate about the person to the left (laughs) (laughs) Hey everybody, let's play a game. Let's all go around and say how Denise is a stupid slut and she's a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> just for fun. You know, see what happens. So like, oh god, okay. But it's not even just the moments of incitement, it's also those moments of resolution that are equally ham-fisted. And you know, as we said last week, it's just this constant conveyor belt of like, I regret what happened, let's move forward, and then it's like rinse and repeat. And a good example of that is the feud that she had with Garcelle where Rinna immediately like you said sits on the bed puts on her sad voice and is like I did things last year that I regret and I want to move forward with you and Garcelle like a normal person said thank you okay I appreciate the effort I'm cautiously optimistic but these things Mm -hmm. take time and let's see and she was very clear about that but Rinna because she's unable because she operates in such absolutes and it's quite simple, is unable She's to sort of read like, the subtext She's very like, you have to love there. me or hate me. And so everything right. is like, why? Why don't you want to hang out? Like, why? Why don't you want to spend time? And it's like, because we're taking it slow. Yeah, and it's like, I don't think she even, tra- I think she translated it. She's going, ah, uh-huh, ah, uh-huh, as going, great, we're friends again. Oh, Garcelle, I love you. And all is well. So then later on in the season, when Rin is kind of taken aback that Garcelle still isn't 100% willing to give herself over to their friendship she seems like really affronted and sort of seems as though garcelle's being duplicitous and has like gone back on her word and garcelle's like no exactly but also they all do that where there's a real sense like it's so naught to 100 that lisa rinna throwing her the birthday party and things like that and they're all like lisa rinna's bent over backwards to gain back your friendship or whatever and i'm like that's not how humans work it's called time and like you're asking her to move at a show pace and it's it's where garcelle and lisa vanderpump were very similar And I think there's something to be said for the fact that Garcelle, that this is still like her first rodeo on the show. And then she's dealing with someone like Lisa, who's knee deep into the show at this point. And Garcelle maybe hasn't learned the ropes from the housewife's handbook yet. And they're just speaking these different languages. Like when Garcelle was explaining to her, like, no, what I said was, I'm just going to take my time. You see Lisa, she's like got her head cocked and she's like, ah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's almost like one of those cartoons where if you were to zoom into Rinna's head, it would just be one of those like monkeys with the symbols clapping, you know, and it's like, she's just like in one ear and out the other. She is. She's like a cockatoo, isn't she? The way that everything's like. She is. Yeah. What we were talking about last week with Vanderpump and the behaviors that these women exhibit on the show that we've mm. just accepted as normal in the realm of reality TV are actually quite mad when you put them in a real life context. I, I think we see a lot of that play out with the whole Denise situation where so many of them are really following this handbook mm. and then they're applying that to someone like Denise who's pretty new to the show and Garcelle in her first season who's just watching and to a lesser extent Sutton and they don't really know what to make of it because it's such a weird way of reacting to anything. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the whole Denise thing, but I feel like I've never in this season seen a more clear-cut argument where someone is so clearly in the right, but they've sort of been railroaded by the majority into sort of thinking that they're wrong. It's so weird, isn't it? And then by the end, like the show makes her into such a villain that by the weird Zoom reunion, they're pra- the editors are practically like cutting together, making her look like a serial killer. First, I love how much Denise has just given up by the end. She honestly looks like a Barbie doll that's been I given know. to a dog, been ran through the mud, and then she's got like basically a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, like sipping tequila out of the bottle, 
her eyes are red. She's probably high as a kite, and she's like, I don't fucking give a shit. I don't want to be here anymore. You know, you can just tell <laughs> she's totally checked out. And it's a perfect point for why Vanderpump didn't turn up because it was a lose-lose situation. I know. That bit in the preview of the reunion where it's like, did she just walk off? And then you watch the show and it's her just being like, I need some snacks. Yeah, she <laughs> she's like, just like, I'm She's basically got like a thing of hummus in her lap and just like snacking on these carrot sticks or something. It's just, and I completely the, feel for her. It makes me Denise so gross. The Denise situation <laughs> is a really good example of someone refusing to play ball with the show where... My two cents is that Denise was pretty high profile to be on the show. I think she Mm. understood that there was a performative element to it. I think she was under the impression that we were all playing kind of character versions of ourselves. I think when her real life was suddenly being brought in in such a huge way, especially like by someone like Lisa Renner, who she's known for a lot of her life and she has like an actual friendship with and who... I'd like to remind everyone, like, we saw Lisa's reaction when Harry Hamlin was brought into it by Kim Richards. Like, mm-hmm. they they all have had things where they're like, that is off the table or that's unfair. And they all act as if Denise is being crazy and unfair and, like, above the show to... Just because her reaction isn't, like, explosive, her reaction is to, like, cut and, uh, and refuse to allow it to be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. And then you have this very strange thing of Lisa Rinna pushing so hard with Denise where it's crazy as a season. It's got a real Lord of the Flies feel of mm-hmm. running with something, being way out of control, suddenly taking as writ the word of Brandy, who for the last like 10 seasons, Kyle has written off and has been like villainized by the show and also looks mental. Uh, her f- like, yeah. not to go after anyone's surgery, but like, you know, when your parents used to say like, careful because the wind will change while you're pulling a face and you'll be stuck like that. She looks like she was like speeding down the motorway in a Chevrolet or something with the roof down and there was like a high wind on and she got out and she's never been the same since. Completely. Did any of that I... make sense though of like what of, of the... It it feels like Denise was under the impression she was going to get to play a character of herself like Rinna does and mm-hmm. suddenly they're all lambasting her like performance in it as not being real enough. And you can tell that she just... She's so done so quickly and she so wants out and she's being like forced to remain. Yeah, maybe she knew this was her character or this was the character that the show gave to her. But I think people were expecting Denise Richards, who was a Bond girl and was on Wild Things and she's sexy and she was married to Charlie Sheen and she's very rock and roll. And she gave us a lot of that. She came in talking about Aaron's big dick and, you know, telling us stories about Charlie bringing sex workers to Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden her simply saying hey guys do you mind just keeping the talk about threesomes down like my kids are just there that because that didn't fit quite neatly this character Mm. all of a sudden it's denise has changed they honestly make it seem like she's suddenly become lady bracknell Mm. i have a theory about this whole denise thing hit me i think that the cast had known about the brandy denise rumors way earlier than they're letting on i think all of them knew Mm -hmm. And the majority of the season was this failed attempt to get it out into the universe in a way that kept their hands clean, particularly Carl Richards, Mm -hmm. my favorite. Because very early on in the season, from that barbecue at Denise's, the women do have this very odd fixation about threesomes and lesbianism that they do just obsessively bring up again and again. So at this barbecue, the one infamously where Denise dared to have an ice sculpture. I was just about to say, the one with the infamous giant ice sculpture. It's like insane that Kyle with a straight face can be like, yeah, how dare you, Denise. But honestly, that's like the thing where they're like, oh, this Denise has changed. The Denise I knew last year, like she wouldn't have a nice sculpture. It's like, what the fuck? So stupid. Um, so there's this discussion about lesbianism that begins when Dorit sort of jokes that Kyle and Teddy are very close, like a little too close, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know if you remember, like this was going to be our storyline for the whole season. Thank God yeah. it wasn't. But that, that was like the thing that the women all were clinging on to. And it's sort of said in jest and then the tables opened up for discussion and they all share their their sexual experiences with women. And then Kyle said that she's never had sex with a woman. And Dorit says, 
well, you chose to share a bed with Teddy last time we were all on vacation and you had a whole room to yourself, so I don't know about that. And Dorit basically uses this lesbian conversation as an excuse so to weird. relay the frustrations about how Teddy are season. too close. It's just so odd and stupid and like, who cares? And then everyone joins in and gangs up on her. And it's, for me, the best five minutes of television ever because it's the only time in the run of the show where Kyle's gotten a taste of her comeuppance. And it's glorious, even if it's completely a misfire and it's just not warranted whatsoever. Like, I will give Kyle that. (laughs) And Kyle is just so rattled. Like, she doesn't know what to do. She's on the outs. She's not living up to this weird image. Like, do you remember when Lisa left? And then at that reunion, Lisa's not there. And they all have this discussion of like, well, like Kyle's the new queen now. It's like very bizarre. They're like, I know. They make it seem like it's Kyle's so like picked weird. up the metaphorical crown and she's put it on her head and she's like the leader of the gang now. But the thing is, Kyle's not an alpha and she just doesn't, she completely crumbles under the pressure of it. We're alphas the here. First... <laughs> I don't know. Really <laughs> about Dee Dee. Dee Dee's toast. Because we're all alphas. <laughs> we're alpha women. Bring Dee Dee back is... No, she's not going to be the queen. Bring Dana back to pick up that crowd. Yes, she can sort this mess out completely. And I think that this lesbian threesome talk has planted a seed in Kyle's head. And that, coupled with the fact that Denise was calling her out at this dinner, and Denise bristled at all the sex talk in front of her kids, got Kyle thinking. Because she in particular is really pissed off with Denise for some reason. Even though Denise basically was like, don't talk to Dorit like that. All of a sudden it's all like, oh, she's a fucking ragamuffin. And like, who is she? And getting above her station. It's like a very odd charged reaction to Denise. And then sometime between then and the Santa Barbara trip, I think Kyle and some of the other girls have set something up where they heard about this brandy rumor and tried to bring it up on camera because at the dinner, they're all talking about Denise. And side note from my theory, I think it's really fucking weird that Erica is pissed about the fact that Denise and Erica met up. Erica said to Denise, oh, I'm sorry about all the sex talk the other night. Yeah. And then Denise is like, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's fine. It is what it is. And then they sort of drew a line under it. When Erica hears that Denise also happened to meet up with Teddy and Sutton, and they also said to Denise, like, hey, sorry, things got a bit wild the other night. And Denise was like, yeah, thanks for that. Like, it's fine, whatever. She's furious. And they use that as evidence that, like, Denise is a liar and she says that she's over it, but clearly she's not because she keeps bringing it up. She brought it up once with Erica and once on another separate occasion. That's two times in total. And that's another example of how you're expected to behave on a reality show. Like, that's really weird. If I was with you and another friend and you both did something to piss me off and then I met up with this friend of ours and they apologized for it. And then a week later, I met up with you and you were like, hey, James, sorry about that thing that happened. And I was like, no, don't want to talk about it. I had the discussion already. I'm completely (laughs) over it. You don't need to bring it up. And you'd be like, no, but I just want to say myself. No, don't want to hear it. It's all good. It's really bizarre. This idea that... It doesn't, yeah, you can have a conversation and clear the air, but there's still, you can have a residual sense of something and it's not quite holding a grudge. It's not quite completely over it. Like that's allowed. That's completely normal. (laughs) So yeah, that thing, they're really weird about it. And then when Denise joins them at the dinner, Rinna says to Denise, completely out of the blue, starts asking her about wild things and her other show, her other films and asks her about the mechanics of filming a threesome and the lesbian sex scenes and was that uncomfortable for you and how did you feel? It's a very random, messy thing Mm. to ask. But Denise, I think to her credit, seems to have cottoned on that something's off here and they're trying to go somewhere with this. And she doesn't give them the satisfaction of a reaction, but she she doesn't clam up either and she answers their questions head, head on and she doesn't take the bait. She's a good sport about it. But then Brandy still hasn't come up so they resort to physically bringing Brandy to the party at Carl Richards' house. Oh my God, the bit when Brandy falls over on the dance floor. <laughs> God, it's good to have her back. I'd forgotten about that. Side note, a bit like the Lisa Vanderpump thing. I think Denise probably did do all this stuff with Brandy. I don't really know, but like, I think it's completely possible. Yeah, I agree. And not to be victim blamey or anything, but Brandy coming to the party, three sheets to the wind, like hanging off of Denise... And like slurring in her ear like she wants to have a threesome with her and Aaron. That contradicts the image that she tries to paint later on. That like she felt used and abused and she felt threatened and unsafe. And those two seem like there's a bit of a sob story here that wasn't there when she was at the party. So I feel Mm -hmm. like something's been fine-tuned with Brandy and the women off camera. So now here's where I'm getting into the dates here. 
The women flew out to the Rome trip on the 20th of November. And then BravoCon happened in New York from November the 15th to November the 17th. I know this because it happened on my birthday weekend and I didn't get to go. Just, you know, not that I'm bitter about it. (laughs) So before Rome and before that painfully rehearsed scene at Kyle's house in her bedroom where Brandy just happens to be there and she like happens to have a full face of makeup and she's fully mic'd and she just happens to stop by with Kim and tells them all about this affair. That's when they find out, which is ostensibly after BravoCon. Now, I bring up BravoCon because in one of the episodes where they're in James, what happened at BravoCon? (laughs) Big, huge. In Rome, they confront her about the Brandy rumours. And Denise is like, I don't know Brandy that well. And then they cut to a clip from BravoCon. They constantly cut to this clip of her saying, and it really bugs me this, that they keep cutting to this clip where Denise says she was friendly with Brandy and she keeps being like, yeah, she's a cool chick. Yeah. Yeah, I am friendly with Brandy. And they keep using that, Andy Cohen included, to be like, but there you say that you're really good friends with Brandy. And I'm like, that is not what she said. If you asked me about, if me and Stalin met and had like (laughs) a great night out and you were like, oh, you met Stalin the other night. And I was like, yeah, it was lovely. We went for drinks and things like that. And then he did all his shit. I would be like, but you said, you said that you were best friends with Stalin. And it's annoying because you feel like Denise is probably really frustrated because there's this scene like last year where she just happens to have a drink with Brandy and everyone's like, you see, you see. So you do know her. And she clearly she wants to just break the fourth wall and be like, I don't fucking know her. Like they just wanted to bring Brandy back and no one else wants to film with her. So they're like, hey, can you pretend that you know her? Sure. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll have Sorry. a drink. Anyway, so my, yeah. back to BravoCon. So, the, so the BravoCon thing, they always flash back to, like you say, to be this really damning bit of evidence against Denise. But what I find more interesting is that there's a very telling reaction from the rest of the women that's non-verbal when she's talking about Brandy. Before Denise has even answered, when they bring up Brandy's name, Teddy and Erica are sitting in front of Denise and they both look down and look like shifty and they kind of like look uncomfortable, even though they supposedly don't know anything about this rumor as presented in the timeline of the show. They don't know Brandy, Erica and Teddy, they've never filmed with her, they've never met her. And then when they fly back to LA and they're packing to go to Rome, Teddy finds out about the Brandy thing and then Erica finds out when she's in Rome. So it's just a very odd reaction considering they supposedly Mm -hmm. don't know anything about Brandy either way. Added to that, the fact that Sutton says in the confessional that she's already heard these rumors a while ago and she never repeated it makes me think that it was common knowledge and that the women were just spending an entire season working out a way to air it on the show that absolved them of any wrongdoing. Hence all this weird talk about threesomes again and again and again until Teddy finally, ever the lackey, was the one who just blurted it out at the Rome dinner. And my point being... That you're applying to be the next Miss Marple. <laughs> thank you. And also that they're applying to be the next Lisa Vanderpump. This bears all the hallmarks for of a sure. classic LVP behind the scenes manipulation. But here, for some reason, it's permissible because it's all in the name of being open and honest. And that drives me nuts. Absolutely. Well done, James. That was... Thank you. Honestly, your Pulitzer's in the post. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very good. Spent a whole day on that. I know. We should talk about Rinna's involvement in all of this. Yeah, sorry. That was like a real tangent that was nothing to do with Rinna. No, it was thrilling. Thank you. I love when you timeline. (laughs) There were dates and everything. I know. I was so impressed. Thank you. So, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on Rinna in all of this and like her... It's just fascinating to me because they have a sort of real friendship how much this season feels like Rinna gets very whipped up in the show and in the Lord of the Fliesness of it yeah and the kind of gang mentality and then you have that scene in the hotel when she's sort of crying with Denise where it feels like the moment in Lord of the Flies when the boat arrives at the end and they're all like the adults arrive and they're all like oh what did we do where she's suddenly forced to kind of examine the consequences of their actions that it's like her life do you think that she has that realization though Do not? No. No. I think it's all... Oh, God. It's just like a paint-by-numbers thing that I just find so... Like, I... Oh, by the way, another thing that really makes me laugh, just quick sidebar. I was doing some research as well, and Brandy did this whole thing of releasing her texts as (laughs) 
Stop it. Supposedly as like evidence. And then you read the text and it's literally Denise being like, you can have your own room or you can always sleep in my room if it's fine. And Brandy being like, yeah, I'll sleep on your couch if that's okay. And Denise being like, cool, I'll ask them to put a bed in the room. And then that's it. And I'm like, if that's the most damning evidence you have. Yeah. No, she honestly made out that Denise was sending her like pictures of a vag and stuff. Exactly. Sorry, that was vulgar. But yeah. Uh, that was uncalled for, James. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. We're not that kind of podcast. Anyway, sorry. I, the thing, what really annoys me with Rinna is that I've never seen someone who has gone against someone so passionately and with such intensity, but in a way that is so unjustifiable. Even when you press Rinna to say, why are you so bothered by this? Why do you care? She can't really verbalize it. It's just all the same, you know, the repetition of like, you're not being open, you're not being honest, you're not being authentic, which drives me nuts. And I think she did a really shitty thing after the kids barbecue when Denise turned up didn't bring the kids. They were all affronted because it's like, oh, so Denise is saying that we're bad mothers. She can't bring her kids around us. And it's like, no, because in Santa Barbara, Sutton said, maybe you shouldn't bring your kids around us if you don't want to hear that kind of thing. And Denise was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't. I I will bear that in mind moving forward. And then suddenly she's vilified for it. Yeah. She gets up and leaves. And then Rinna runs after her and Denise says, I am a bit upset with you because you really tried to embarrass me in Santa Barbara, but I'm going to talk to you about it at a separate time. Because Rinna did that really shitty thing, I'm just remembering now, where she says to her, do you talk to the kids about Charlie bringing the hookers over to Mm. Thanksgiving? Like, do you talk to them about that? And it's like, Rinna, do you talk to your kids about rumors about Harry Hamlin that Kim's spreading? But then Denise says to her, okay, we'll talk about it later. For now, Aaron and I, we're going to go. We're going to go and have a steak and go to a strip club. Dun, dun, dun. Rinna is <laughs> panting, frothing at the mouth. You hear her running like her mic. She's like, <gasps> to like run back to these women and be like, oh my God, you <laughs> will never believe what I have just heard. This is crazy. I'm in the twilight zone. Yeah, people pleaser Rinna is out in full in that moment. She's so exciting. She's so frothing at the mouth to yeah. feedback. First of all, Denise was joking. It's a joke. Second of all, if they were serious, that's cool too. They have every right to go to a strip club because they're two adults and their kids aren't there. That's the whole point Denise was trying to make is that she's able and allowed to compartmentalize the two. Like she can be a mother and also a woman with a healthy sexuality. And I honestly, I just have to assume at this point that the women are just being willfully obtuse, Rinna in particular, in order to further this stupid storyline, because I cannot genuinely believe that they are being this thick. And it's like, no, Rinna, it's not ironic that she's left a kid's barbecue to go to a strip club. If Denise said that she was uncomfortable with sex talk and then like brought one of Charlie Sheen's prostitutes to the barbecue, like, okay, maybe that would be hypocritical, but it's not even ironic anyway. Like I'm getting cross and I feel like I'm engaging with the minutiae of this, but I feel like I have to because every step Mm -hmm. of the way, they just continually miss the point. And Rinna's at the forefront of the pushing of this narrative that Denise was like a cool, fun chick last year who talked about dicks and hookers and this year she's really prim and proper. But like, you can tell, even when she says stuff like that, the editors are sort of scratching their heads about what to cut back to because all they have is an ice sculpture and her going, hey guys, can you keep it down? Yeah, yeah. And also more to the point, it's all bollocks what Rinna's saying because if Denise truly had changed and had become this massive prude, She wouldn't be joking about going to a strip club right now. Yeah, exactly. That was this season. Her tagline about getting a happy ending was this season. So it's a moot point anyway. And I think what's annoying with Rinna is that as an actress, it's concerning that she can't seem to isolate the fact that Denise is a person and that also she happens to play characters. Mm Mm-hmm. She can't seem to differentiate between the two. And in the same way that she's unable to grasp this concept that Denise might be one way talking with her girlfriends and then another way when she's a mum at home with her kids. And Lisa Rinna just has this very simplified persona on the show where I think everything has blurred together, where those are all one and the same for her. And it translates into Denise isn't good for the show. She's bad at reality TV because she's not open with her kids. She's not open on the show, but that's not the case. She has been open. And in Rinna's mind, being 
open means being open with your kids in the same way that you would be open with your friends or this that and the other and it's just simply not how life works nor mm. should it work like that and the show should be a reflection also of- you're so right that they really simplify like denise's work as being a reflection of her personality but it's like how can you be uptight you were in this film you were in that film doing sex and whatever and it's like it's really odd that like you say and it's very telling that Lisa Rinner has no compartmentalizing in her life and, yeah like, those different factions it's really gross and slut shaming really weird it's like Denise is a massive slut she got her tits out on camera so she should be fine with us just saying whatever in front of her kids because their exactly. father's Charlie Sheen and he's like a fuck up it just makes me really uncomfortable and when pressed to explain herself yeah it's just all these big platitudes about being open and honest and doing what's right and I think it's interesting comparing how Rinna is reacting to Garcelle, who are two actresses of similar stature with similar relationships with Denise. Mm. Crucially, this is Garcelle's first rodeo on the show. And she reacts to the whole Brandy rumor with like a bit of a shrug and a sigh. And if if my girl says that it's not true, then I have to believe her because she's my friend. Compare that to Rinna, who's just flailing around on a loop going like, it's own so, it, just be honest. I know, and it's so weird, isn't it, to think that like a season later, they're all standing by Erica being like, we have to stand by our friend because that's what friends do. Yeah. Where it's like a season before, exactly like you just said, you have Garcelle being like, well, she's my friend and I choose to believe my friend. And you have mm-hmm. Lisa Rinna exactly like car sales um, flailing. I think that's the disappointing thing about Rinna is that I would accept this about her if it was the same all the way through. But now exactly. it's like a very convenient switching of courses, which makes me think that she exactly. is just a coward and she's the girl who like does the bidding of a bully and she's for whatever reason intimidated by Erica or wants to you know keep her happy and so suddenly it's a completely different set of rules and it's maddening because then her justification is like well i've learned from the past and i regret it i regret what i did to denise i do i'm not gonna reach out to her and make it better but i i regret it so i'm trying to be a better person also you're so right i was just thinking like about rome lisa renner has such an underreaction to finding out yeah in a way that you're so right that it definitely reads like they already know and it's really weird when they're like trying to tell her and to word it and she's just a bit like they fucked and it's like <laughs> why would your brain jump there yeah it's so weird <laughs> yeah completely i just oh god can we also talk about the just with that both with Rome, but also with the Bravo, Bravo, Bravo dinner. It's so fascinating watching the scenes and the, like, Secrets Revealed episode. Yeah. How literally Denise gives away that everyone in the restaurant is obviously paid to be there. And which is obviously why no one ever reacts to their huge dinners and things like that. And there's a really fascinating thing where that she calls the producer over and he says, like, get back to reality. Yeah. And... It's so crazy mm-hmm. and it's it's not dissimilar to Lisa Rinna's like obsession with honesty and owning it where it's like what you mean is play the part and play the game. Exactly. It's so yeah. odd to say to someone like get back to reality in a moment when they're being like I want to time out. Yeah, it's it's analogous to saying get back to the show. That whole thing of what your sister was so saying weird. is it the show over reality. And it's a losing argument for Denise because whatever she says they just say i just feel like you're not being open and honest with us and so she has to sit through these dinners with erin or without until she goes guys i'm being honest with you i'm telling you the truth but you don't believe it so i either have to sit here and be waterboarded until i say what you want to hear or i go Mm -hmm. this is ridiculous i've been here for three hours now and i'm getting nowhere so i'm going to get up and leave so either i lie or it looks like i'm running away it's another example of lisa rinna by turning up her volume and her garishness overpowering someone who's just like a quieter personality so it's like in that reunion the one where denise has just given up and Lisa Rin is there being like, gaslighting, gaslighting, oh or whatever. And it's like, what are you supposed to do to that? Yeah. And it's why it really annoys me that own it has become like a gift that people, and like has become a phrase people love about Rinna when it's so at the core of like the problem of Lisa Rinna. Exactly. And it's one that she's like repackaged. Like the whole, the, the fact that it's become attributed to her and a recognizable thing, it's pointing out the flaw in your logic, Lisa. It's pointing out the artifice of that. So then when she's like, oh my God, amazing. And then the tagline next year is like, I don't need to buy it because I already own it. It's like, no, you're missing the point. Rather than kind of like reflecting on your tactics here, you're cashing in on it mm-hmm. or like 
enveloping it as part of your persona without really dissecting the meaning of it and why that's become part of common parlance now. And the thing with the gaslighting thing, it's like, you know, she's going to be rewarded from it because they took that clip. It's like ready for the trailer and they're going to play it again and again and again, even though it doesn't mean anything. Exactly. It's That's like another one of those words. It's like they've just yeah. learned it on their like word of the day screensaver that Carlton cursed on their laptop. <laughs> I also want to say about that scene where they find out about Denise and Brandy. It's so set up. It's unforgivably so. And it just feels incredibly curated. Even like the fact that it takes place not only at Kyle's house, but in Kyle's bedroom. And there's like a pink neon light. And so everything has this like very pink, hazy quality. It like almost feels like the set of like an 80s porn film and it's like setting up the stage for this like and it's like a boudoir confession and they're having this like slumber party and it suddenly might turn into girls kissing and this and that it's like they're very much created this set that mirrors brandy's Mm. story it like suddenly becomes very artificial i guess it's a very odd scene just it's it feels like they've really encouraged brandy's perform like to be like we want to see a side of you we've never seen we want to see like tears and vulnerability and like you know the girl who never shuts up finding it hard to speak and finding it hard to even like put the words for it's so bizarre and one thing i realized we haven't even spoken about just i wanted to touch on at the end is the season where lisa renner says about kim being close to death and kyle being an enabler and then yes is asked whether she said it and she's like yeah. I don't think I said that. And in a very Ramona style, it's such a classic thing of like an entire season based around someone being like, I didn't do that thing. And then at the end being like, I did it. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's so annoying. But what's interesting is how Lisa Renner has no awareness in her dogged coming at someone like Lisa Vanderpump or Denise or whatever of the double standard of that she's had like entire seasons in which she was caught out in a lie Mm -hmm. and she has made her entire brand like honesty and authenticity and that's Mm -hmm. just really crazy to me and i feel like we've become acclimatized to that and people associate that with her but it's just i guess it's just an example of if you shout it out loud enough and say like you know the election is a big lie then people start to believe it and it's just if you're persistent with your myth then people accept it as fact and lisa rinna famously started that rumor that the election was a lie she did i wouldn't put it past her she is q (laughs) it's her fault the whole thing Oh. Uh, do you have anything else I'm, to talk I'm about? I'm happy to. No, I'm happy to put Rinna to bed. Let's take her out to pasture. I think it's time. Yeah, the sun is setting and uh, she's out in the field. Thank you for joining us this week on the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating. That's very helpful for us. Or if you simply tell your friends about the show, that's also really amazing as well. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye. I don't see a job at QBC for you. Uh, Bravo, bravo, bravo.